The following program is sponsored by Evangelical Life Ministries. Welcome to Engaging Truth, the manifestation of God's Word in the lives of people around us. Join us each week as we explore the impact of His message of spiritual renewal. From the lesson of forgiveness forged in the crucible of divorce, to the message of salvation learned by an executioner from a condemned killer, to the gift of freedom found in the rescue of victims of human trafficking. This is God's Truth in Action. Hello, Engaging Truth audience. Pastor Jeff Doria here with the most excellent guest today. And we have on our call Pastor Alan Abel, who has served as a pastor with the heart for mission and medicine. And so, Alan, good day to you. Welcome aboard. Thank you very much. Good to be with you. Thank you. Good to have you here. Good to meet you uh, through the Zoom call. Good technology. We can see each other face to face. And I've enjoyed our conversation we've had in the past and uh, uh, look forward to learning a little bit more about your experiences. So uh, let's begin with a little, um, you know, just kind of some background information about who you are and and then uh, lead, lead into how, um, you know, what caused your interest in medicine. How did you get interested in that? So, Actually, it sort of started in high school. One of my high school uh, science teachers said, have you ever thought about medicine? I said, no, never. So I went to Concordia, Austin, uh, senior college in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then seminary in St. Louis. And while going through senior college and seminary, I worked at various hospitals, Lutheran Hospital in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and Barnes Hospital in St. Louis, uh, working primarily in the emergency room. And medicine sort of was tempting, I guess you could say, best of all. Um, when I was a, sen a senior at seminary, I spoke to a, a seminary physician and said, what about medical missions? He said, if you want to be a missionary, be a missionary. If you want to be a doctor, be a doctor. It's going to take you four years of pre-med and another four years of med school. And at that time, I'd been going to school for seven years post high school. I said, no way. That's I, a lot of school. That's, that's a, a lot, lot of, school. of school. I re uh, received an assignment to the Philippines. Uh, we went to the Philippines. It took a while to get our visas. We arrived in the Philippines in January of 1971. Our daughter was six months old. Uh, it was hot. We had left Texas when it was, I think, 16 degrees the morning we left. And we got to Manila and it was 95 and 100% humidity <laughs> and horrible. But in the Philippines, I saw the need for medicine. Uh, people did not have any medical care. I was serving rural parishes or parishes out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, okay. A little lady, one of our, my members, was taking her cow out and tripped in the rope and broke her leg and required medical care. Uh, fortunately, we were able to obtain the medical care for her, but just saw that over and over and over again. Uh, we cooperated with a, a nun who ran a clinic and tried to get medical care for people. Uh, we helped with a malnutrition clinic, children that had to be at least 50% underweight before they were accepted into the clinic. My wife and I got involved with that. So medicine just continued sort of to eh, rear its ugly head, I guess you might say. Okay. Um, 
didn't know where God wanted me to go. So we put it up to him, sort of like Gideon with his fleece and said, what are we going to do? Uh, agriculture, I'd grown up on a farm and agriculture was also very important to me because the people were trying to make a living raising corn that would produce an ear in good year, maybe two or three inches long. And if it didn't produce, they had extreme hardships. So I went to Texas A&M, got my pre-med, uh, feel fulfilled with a degree in agriculture at the same time and was accepted into med school at the University of Texas in Galveston. Noteworthy, I finished my pre-med in two years and finished med school in three. So instead of eight years, I did it in five. Yeah. I did, did five years of general surgery residency. The opportunity never came up for going overseas as a medical missionary right after residency and so forth. I looked in some ways as medicine, being a medical missionary in the rural areas of Texas, which I served, and also in Oklahoma. So you go where God puts you. Uh, was also interesting, I guess, that God put me in places. The first place we went, Dumas, Texas, which is 40 miles from Oklahoma, 40 miles from New Mexico. The Sunday before we arrived, for some reason or another, personal matters, the pastor didn't show up for services that Sunday morning. So I was asked to start filling in there. In addition to doing surgery, I was also filling in with uh, preaching at times. Uh, the next place we went, Oklahoma, the pastor there left after two months. The oh. next place we went, he lasted a year before he left. And so... <laughs> Our district vice president said, uh, hey, if I want to get rid of anybody, I'll have them recruit you as a doctor and we'll get rid of the preacher there. So anyway. There you go. Yeah, you've, you've got an effect on the on the parish. I don't know. I didn't know that it was happening. It just worked out that way. But <laughs> Oh, goodness. So, well, that's, so, you, so you bounce around Texas, Oklahoma, back to Texas. Yes. And, uh, uh, and, I, and pretty much always had an interest in that combined aspect right. of mission and medicine. I think it's a very, very, very good fit. I think yeah. for, for me personally, I had been interested in the sciences uh, through uh, high school and college. Um, the synodical program pre-ministerial was not real strong in the sciences. And so I didn't okay. get what I wanted, but it still was there. And okay, yeah. So you see medicine and ministry complementing each other, I would assume, quite well. Yes, definitely. Yeah. Um, this is one of well, my wife's grandmother said, Why are you leaving the ministry? I mean, she was a good German pastor's wife. And I said, I don't see it as leaving, it's complementing, it's part of it. Uh, that some of us or some people have been blessed with the ability to do it and i think god gave me the ability and and pointed the way it was supposed to go and that's where it's been okay well that's great that's great so um so you and your wife you know you guys well let me ask if you don't mind me asking how long have y'all been married it will be 55 years on august the 27th 
All right. Fifth, now that is something to celebrate right I think there. That is, is for sure. I think that she's is put up with a lot. <laughs> she's put up she's with a lot. <laughs> with me. I mean, she's traveled with me all over the world, all over the, the country. And, uh, yeah. Well, she probably has some mighty, mighty fun stories to tell as well. So, um, he is also, yeah. So, she is a nurse. Also, what, she, we met in St. I'm Louis. sorry, say that again. She is a nurse. We met in St. Louis. She was going to oh. Lutheran Hospital School of Nursing in St. Louis. So that's where we met in St. Louis. Okay. So All right. she graduated from nursing school two days before we got married. And three days thereafter, we were in California for Vicarage. So uh, anyway, it's been that's a fun, fun. trip. That's so she has uh, seen a lot um, in yeah. all these years, gone to a lot of different places. Um, would you say there are certain places or certain aspects of that ministry that y'all have really worked well together on? Uh, well, yes. She worked in my office for, for several years. Okay. But, and she was instrumental. I mean, very worked very well with the, with the, with the patients and being you know she'd been pastor's wife pastor's daughter her dad was missionary in india so she had she was very instrumental and helpful in understanding what i wanted to do and how things were to to be done so so it sounds like y'all are a pretty good team yeah i thought we were i hope she would agree but <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it great was, it was it was it's been fantastic Okay. Well, let me ask you, um, you know, being a pastor, being involved with medicine and missions and such, um, what do you think the church in general as a big church, not not necessarily a specific congregation, but, um, and certainly if you have some examples of specific congregations, feel free to tell it, but what do you think the church should be doing? Or, um, you know, can we be doing that? Should it be doing something uh, different, or, um, or you know, in addition to what we're currently doing, how how I, do you see the church? I think connection? the church should be involved, but unfortunately, it's very difficult. As a, for instance, uh, some years ago, I went with Orphan Grain Train to on a fact finding mission to Ethiopia to see whether they were thinking of trying to start some medical work in Ethiopia. Okay. And I said, I'm not smart enough to do that, number one. Number two, the logistics is just so overwhelming to do that. Uh, there are individual congregations and some groups that will go for one or two weeks and go to an area, Africa, South America, wherever, and they will have clinics. And yes, it's good. And it's a combination, I think, uh, it's a combination witness of the gospel and also medical care. But I have some, some, a little bit of problems with that because what happens when they leave in two weeks? Yeah. Where are the people going to be then? What happens when they're there and the local physician who has been trying to take care of the people, suddenly a group of 10 or 15 Americans, for instance, come and pass out free medicines when they couldn't do that. The local doctor, the local pharmacy can't give things away for free. Right. Are we are we undercutting them by doing that? Right. Yeah. And, and so thinking that we're doing something good, we're maybe hurting the 
the hurting the society to some degree. Yeah, to some extent. Mm. Although, you know, the story of the of the man walking along the seashore throwing sand or, or I'm sorry, starfish back in the sea and said, You can't save them all. I said, but I saved that one. Right. And that's I have been involved with a group called Mercy Ships, which is oh. the uh, a group I, I was fortunate enough, privileged to go on four surgical trips with them and then three trips where I was teaching classes and they go to uh, different places in Africa. They will tie up for 10 months in a port and then people come on on board and have surgery done all free. It's corrective surgery, hernias. I did a huge number of hernias and big hernias. Plastic surgery for cleft lips, uh, removal of facial tumors, burn contracture replacements, uh, orthopedic club feet, uh, horrible uh, orthopedic injuries or problems, and they fix them. But they're that's all they do is medical care. Now they provide spiritual help also. It's not associated with any individual organ uh, denomination. But it's a faith-based organization, and they serve, as they say, we're serving or being Jesus' hands and feet at this point in time. Right, right. So, so to answer your question, what should the church be doing? I don't know that they can easily. The days of medical missions of, what was his name, uh, the Schweitzer going to Africa, I think that day is gone. Uh, there is a little bit of resistance, I think, on the part of many nationalities that we don't want someone coming in and telling us what we're supposed to do. There's nationalist right. pride. Okay. The logistics and infrastructure, which is necessary, is so big that the church has some difficulty. Maybe it's for the churches to support the groups that can go in something, a faith-based organization, which is big enough and and help with them. And as individual people, individual doctors, nurses, whatever, to go and be and volunteer to serve with these organizations as part of a church, that your church goes with you no matter where you are. Yeah. Yeah, so make it, so building the connections, that's, that's, uh, uh, that I would assume that takes a lot of work. That's much more of an ongoing develop developing relationships with the local group, you know, groups that are uh, on the ground that are much more incarnational, I guess you might say, that that uh, can actually get into that culture and and be with the people on a long term basis and uh, have that kind of ministry. So that's good insight. Good insight. Well, um, I I'd like to ask you some more on, on sure. questions. I have some other questions for you, but let me give us a little commercial break here and thank the audience for tuning in to today's broadcast of Engaging Truth, part of the Evangelical Life Ministries. If you're watching this on YouTube, smash that like button and subscribe so you don't miss any more upcoming broadcasts. Also, please know that this ministry is made possible by the generosity of people like you. Uh, if you would like to donate, we would, we would greatly appreciate it as we continue to seek to publish relevant information on God's truth and how it engages the world. You can donate online through our website at elmhouston.org 
or send a check to ELM PO Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410. Your gift is tax deductible and you will be given a receipt. Finally, through our website, you can submit questions about our broadcast today or even submit prayer requests. And we thank you for that. And now, Let's resume our conversation with Alan Abel. So, sir, uh, you have mentioned the mercy ships, and I, I would I would think that's pretty uh, incredible in regards to the different um, different trips you've been on. You said four excursions and such. Uh, is there any one or two that you would like to spotlight regarding some highlights of what you experienced on those uh, events? Huh. <laughs> There was one episode of an 11-month-old baby that weighed 11 pounds, very small. Uh, he was had lost all of his baby fat. He was very, 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 very thin. He had bilateral hernias, had a hernia on both sides. It caused difficulty whenever he would eat. He was still being breastfed. And when he would try to eat, he would cause it would cause pain, and so he would stop eating. Was unable to eat. So my job while I was there was to fix his hernias. Which yeah, okay, little kid, it's a little tedious. I mean, I have big hands, and this is little bitty kid, eleven yeah. pounds, eleven pounds, eleven months old. So he's wow. mal malnourished, right now. Malnourished. Yeah. yeah. But we did a surgery early in the morning, and that afternoon he was eating. And instead of 10 minutes or so breastfeeding, he fed for a whole 30 minutes and did not have any pain whatsoever. And so okay. looking at that, that was probably life-saving for him that I was involved with. Now, they did other uh, enormous cases on on the ships people with facial tumors that are totally benign and in the u.s something like that would be taken care of when they were maybe the size of a, a pea these become humongous uh, one weighs seven pounds uh, a, a tumor on a man's jaw that was causing problems with his eating his tongue was being forced forward these people will suffocate and starve. And the people are able to remove the tumors and do reconstruction. And to see the difference of what they're able to do uh, is just amazing. Um, children with cleft or uh, club feet, uh, joints, legs that bend backwards in the developing world. They cook with cook stove with firewood and charcoal, and children will oftentimes fall into the fire, playing and be burned severely. Burns, if they're not taken care of, will cause contractures of arms and legs. And the plastic surgeons uh, remove the scar and graft and do things like that. It's it's a fantastic opportunity. Mm -hmm. So you would do a lot of so you would see burn victims, uh, people born with defects, and um, just malnourished. Um, wow, that's a lot of a lot of different things, a lot of different yes. experiences you would have. Loved wide it. variety. Loved I just wish yeah. I would have gotten started earlier. So. Okay, okay. 
Wow. Well, that's great. Well, yeah. So if you, um, well, I'm curious, uh, you know, you've had quite a few years in ministry and mission and doing different things. Uh, you're currently an emeritus at uh, current congregation. So you serve there a little bit, um, at a part time or kind of off and on. You just help off out, on. or off okay. and on. Uh, as a matter of fact, the the pastor is uh, going to be busy going to the synodical convention and going to the oh, convention and this and that and the other. Jeez. So this summer, I get four episodes of preaching that I wasn't okay. necessarily looking forward to. Through you know. Every other week for a couple of times for a couple of months, but it's fun. Enjoy it. And okay, so fantastic. yeah, so you're staying busy with that. Yes, yes. Um, do you find yourself having time to still um, do any of that missions? Do you do you have any plans like immediately this next year? Do you going on uh, any more trips? Or are you kind of taking a backseat on the physically going and probably just helping not. others? Probably not. Okay. There are some some family okay. issues. Uh, I, when I retired six years ago, I said I didn't need my medical license anymore. And I think that probably they want younger people and give other people a chance to do this. Uh, there's a long okay. list of people who want to serve on mercy ships. So, okay. Okay. So now you're supporting them, which is a vital yes. role. You know, we're passing the baton off yes. uh, to the next group of people that will be God's agents. Uh, and uh, people who will influence others with, and share the gospel as they share medical. So that's great. Well, let me um, let me close in a prayer. I'd love to pray for you. And uh, the name of the congregation that you're serving is Saint Paul. Saint Paul. Okay. Uh, good. Good name to be. Uh, Saint Paul to be named. in the grove. In the grove. In the groves. Okay. In the grove. Right. In the well, grove. let me lift. Uh, I'll pray for you and uh, and that that ministry there, and uh, in, in general, we'll pray for mercy ships and in all their other aspects. So, uh, Father in heaven, Lord, we do rejoice in the many blessings you give your people, your church uh, throughout the world, the many different gifts and uh, talents that people have, uh, passions and ways that you work through. And so we thank you for how you've been working through Alan and uh, his wife and the different people that he has served with over these 50-some uh, years of marriage and uh, and life as a pastor and missionary and uh, medical worker. And we're grateful for the many lives uh, that he, ha he has touched and that you have touched through him. Uh, Lord, continue to strengthen uh, him and the congregation. He serves as an emeritus pastor. And so at St. Paul at Groves, we ask that uh, you bless them and that congregation and uh, keep them strong. Uh, Lord, we ask this in Jesus' precious name. And, and uh, it is a name in which we rejoice in today for the forgiveness of sins and eternal life is found there. Um, we ask this in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, again, thanks again, Thank uh, Alan, for your time. Appreciate that. Uh, this is Pastor Jeff Doria with Engaging Truth. Uh, we look forward to you tuning in again next week. And until then, uh, may God bless you, keep you. May the Lord's face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this broadcast of Engaging Truth. Be sure to join us each week at this time. To help support our ministry, contact Evangelical Life Ministries, Post Office Box 568, Cypress, Texas 77410, or visit our website at elmhouston.org 
or find us on Facebook at Evangelical Life Ministries. Thank you.